You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you with, I guess you could say, especially heavy hearts. Uh, the cycling world's lost a couple of people in the last, you know, we're recording on the day that Steve Tilford passed and... Uh, Mike Hall died very recently. Um, it's all a big bummer. Just, you know, I would just say ride safe, travel smart, travel um, smart, but don't let uh, a couple of of tragedies prevent you from getting out there and having a, a good time, but, you know, obviously a responsibly good time. And none of the people that have passed recently were being irresponsible, but still, you know, just just be safe, but still have a good time. Um, yeah, it's a real big bummer. So, uh, with that, with that bombshell to start, um, I think Andrea has, a Andrea is a little under the weather, so she's going to do a, a, uh, typo fueled rant and then probably, uh, retire for the evening. Um, well, I'll start first by saying, uh, Republic Cycles, the shop where I am now, uh, is looking for a mechanic. We need a good mechanic. Um, not just someone who, you know, like you only work on your road bike and you can like polish it in your garage, you know how to change a tire. Like we need somebody who like has, you know, like the sound library of bike noises in their head and doesn't even have to look at a bike to, to like know what's wrong with it. Just, they can listen to it like that, that kind of mechanic, like the almost psychic mechanic, um, is needed at Republic cycles. So if you, um, know of a mechanic and it's in Boulder. Uh, if you know of someone who might be looking to relocate or someone who is in the area, um, they're a good company to work for. They offer a uh, paid vacation. They offer, um, health insurance, good health insurance, not like crap health insurance. Um, you know, and they're generally reasonable employers to work for. So, you know, if you are looking for a change and you're a mechanic, if, or if you know a mechanic who's looking for that sort of thing, um, please get in touch with me, um, through the email link in the show, um, that's going to go up on the show page. Um, <clears throat> so now that that's done with, I have this rant about Fox. Um, the other day I went to service a Fox fork. Um, it's a 2013 has what's called an open cartridge damper. Um, now that I've researched it a bunch, realized that that open cartridge damper kind of sucked. Lots of people had problems with them. Um, when I went to service this fork, I pulled the lowers off and the lower half of the damper came off with the lowers. And the circlip that normally holds it in place was just loose. So I had this open damper cartridge. Um, I called Fox. When I called them, the phone rang a couple of times. I got an automated recording saying, your wait time will be one minute. And I waited for about five minutes and all of a sudden was put through to a voicemail. So I left my message. 
Um, I tried to call back a little later that day and the same exact thing happened. Um, but you know, I, I basically, I left a message saying what had happened with the fork, what fork it was. Um, and that was on the 29th of March. Um, so fast forward, we don't hear anything back. They don't return my message. So on the 31st, um, I fill out their online form. They have a thing that's like online RA request form. And I fill it out and I say, I don't need an RA. I'm just trying to get technical support for this fork. Because if you look that exact fork up on like their oil volume chart, um, the spot for damper is blank. It just says damper and it doesn't have an oil volume. And the oil volume that you put into a damper is very important. Um, so my email to them was, I don't need an RA. I need to know, um, I need to know, you know, on this fork and I give them the full, uh, you know, model year and everything for this fork. Um, I said, I need to know how much oil to put in there. And when I reassemble it, are there any special instructions or tools or anything? Do I need to bleed it? Is there anything special about it other than just put an unknown quantity of oil in there? So that was my email to them on their online form. The email that I get back later that afternoon is, Hello, looks, you will need to send this in, but Fox no longer had the parts or resources to service your damper. We replaced them. Please provide me with Fork's serial number. The Fork might be part of the recall. That's two sentences there. Um, no commas, one period between the two. Miss no comma. Yeah. Uh, we email back. We just need to know the oil levels and whether or not there's a bleed procedure for that damper. Here's the serial number. And we give the serial number. So next email comes back. This time in all caps. Hello, I am unable to provide you that information we no longer service not in our system. Reading in your comments, please contact sales and they can help you purchase a new damper. Thank you. And that's it. Um, so Brandon, the service manager, um, upon seeing this email, just calls their, calls their tech line again. Um, doesn't get through to anybody, but just leaves a message on the same voicemail and says, this is Brandon at Republic Cycles. Call me back. Doesn't say why, just says, call me back. So someone calls back <clears throat> and says, yeah, I can, I can help you. What's the serial number of the fork? And Brandon gives him the serial number. Um, and he says, okay, uh, I found the chart for it. It's 30 cc's of 20 weight gold which is the amount of oil that goes in the lower when you reassemble the fork. Brandon says, what about the damper? We know how we can read the oil chart. You don't have to read off of this chart that we also have. He didn't say that, but it was implied in his voice. Um, The person on the phone could not give him that information. The person on the phone, all he could do was like, just look up exactly the same stuff that we've been looking up for. So um, we basically, I, I, just kind of based off of some internet like forum stuff, I put 72 milliliters of tin weight red in it and the lockout didn't work, but the rebound actually worked, which was a little bit promising, but uh, we still are ending up um, sending it to dirt labs for service. Um, 
because they're just uh, basically the one of the shop owners just got tired of me messing with it because it had already taken us so much time. Um, <clears throat> so that is a gigantic failure on Fox's part. Um, first off, to have people answering emails who can't make a complete freaking sentence. And then to have someone answer the phone who can't do any more tech support than to just read the same fucking chart that we can read. So, um, Fox, get your shit together. And that's it. <laughs> that's good. I mean, it's just, it's sad. Like, that's their tech support, is someone who can't make a complete sentence and someone who just reads the exact same shit that we can read on our computer in the sh- in the shop. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's just not, it's not really acceptable. I mean, I know it's a 2012 or 2013 fork, but you should be able to tell me how much fucking oil goes in a damper. Right? Yeah, you would think so. They're, I mean, Fox is just that way. I mean, I've had decent experience with them as far as getting like kind of weirdo tech support. And they're like, oh yeah, this, you know, be careful. Put this circlip here and this spacer here and do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. That was helpful. Um, and then I've definitely had your exact same experience where it's just some canned response that they're like, oh yeah, we don't support that anymore. Uh, you know, tell them to throw the fork away. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's ridiculous. You get the, I am unable to provided you that information. We no longer service, not in our system. That was a sentence. Yeah. It's, so remember- uh, it's interesting to know what their system is. I mean, I guess it, they just farm it out to, I suppose they just farm it out to another country because it's just email or whatever. And they, I don't know. That, that's just a shame that they, that they do that. But uh, who owns Fox these days? Wait, Fox owns other people now, right? I think North Korea owns them. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> uh, but Fox, who did Fox buy recently? I thought Easton? they bought somebody. Fox bought Easton and Raceface. Yeah, but there's a but, parent but company so, I think for all someone, of them. Yeah, exactly. There's a parent company. I don't remember what that one is off the Mavic? top of my head, but no, the Mavic is owned by Aimer Sports, which owns Industry or Envy and Mavic. Oh, okay, and then yeah, like I knew a couple that was of other outdoor things, or maybe Envy. Yeah, Envy bought. Envy was purchased by Aimer. I'm 99% sure. If I'm wrong, email me. I don't, yeah. It's Matt at mountbikeradio.com. I'd love for you to email me how wrong I am. Please, <laughs> please send me some hateful email telling me how wrong I was on this non-fact-checked free content you're getting. I really hope that someone at Fox is listening. Like I honestly, though, like as bad as the customer service is, I don't think they care enough to have anyone in their office listening to anything informative. They probably listen to like, I don't know, like how to sew drapery and refinish wood floors. They listen to podcasts about refinishing wood floors and shit. I don't how know. to accidentally drown in a vat of personal lubricant. <laughs> yeah, like the person who was on the phone, like he also like is part of the, the current mountain biker death pool, but he drowned when he fell into a 55-gallon drum of personal lubricant. Which they do sell on Amazon. Um, <laughs> so speaking of who is listening – um, first and foremost, people that are listening that decided to give money, Chris G, California, $50 hairs, Kevin C of Kansas, also known as, uh, Yam Man Land, $25. No, he lives he, in Kansas City, Missouri. Do you Never think mind. he knows Micah Gordon? No, wrong Kansas. Uh, Matt Shear, Matt S of Australia, $50. Randy. Wrong, wrong Kansas. 
No, Kansas, the state, not Kansas City, Missouri. Michael oh, lives in okay. Kansas I was like, City. What the hell is there? Like a West Kansas, like West Virginia or something? No, there's a there's a Kansas City, Missouri. So, anyways, uh, okay. uh, yeah. Randy S, habitual giver, uh, fifty doll hairs, Ooh. and then Doug T of Arizona, ten dollars. Uh, so that's who's listening and sending in the money. But people that are listening while they're at work, a really cool thing we got mentioned on Dirt Rag for the staff picks of podcasts we like. So. Uh, Mount Mike Radio's JRA made it to the top nine podcast. Uh, what's this gentleman's name? It was Scott Williams, the operations manager, said we're an entertaining mix of mountain bike tech talk and general riding experiences with Andrea Fullface Kenny and Beanpole Matt. So thanks a lot, Scott. Glad you're listening. Um, shoot me an email and I will make sure you get a big bundle of stickers that hasn't had my junk rubbed on them in the mail. Promise. Yeah. Pinky promise. Pinky swear my junk has not been on it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's kind of the the next, I guess, the, the Andrea's given her rent. We've or rant. We've talked about who's made it rain on us. Um, mentioned that we got some some love on from Dirt Rag. Uh, Are there any listener questions? We have a ton of listener questions because we haven't recorded in almost three weeks. But... Uh, something more pressing than listener questions is we did see that the new SRAM RockShock reverb lever came out, which is great. Which is yeah, cool. I like that. Um, also, real quick tidbit, uh, we've seen a lot more dropper post failures in the last couple of weeks. And they're, you know, uh, I'm just going to go on a mini rant here because Andrew has already done a pretty decent one. Um, every seat post that, w- that, that came out was awesome when it came out and then you get some miles and time on it and they start shitting the bed. And I mean, I don't want to say like normal Matt, like, Oh, it all sucks. But no, really like every dropper seat post has its quirks and qualms. You want a seat post that has zero issues. Use a rigid post. You get a static seat post. You got it. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We're asking a, a seat post to be a lefty, that locks out to the millimeter that fits inside of a 31.6 or smaller hole. Um, so that's just a huge ask. And I think dropper posts are going to continue to have trouble for the foreseeable future. Um, I think that people get really bent out of shape and they love to beat up on reverbs because they failed a lot, but there's probably more of those in the field than the other posts combined. Again, Matt at mountainbikeradio.com. Email me and tell me how wrong I am, please. Um, but really, reverbs like seven years old at this point. Um, I mean, Gravity Dropper was one of the only ones around before that. Uh, you know, I've heard that someone the other day was preaching that the new seat post they've had has had zero failures in the reps area. And I'm like, well, number one, he has a vested interest in telling you this. And number two, it's a fucking month old. Yeah. If your seat post fails within a month, then it's, um, you know, there's something wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's only a month old. Like, And seat posts are one it's. Why are you pulling? Matt's trying to pull his hair I'm out. Super stressed about this. So everything takes maintenance. Like that goes for pedals, your other move, anything that's a moving part on your bike. You can't just let it get fucking like dirty and worn out. You have to take care of it, maintain it, or replace it. Yeah, you know, those are your two options. Yeah, it's like people bitch about Crank Brothers pedals and. Yeah, I mean, you can break them by hitting them on rocks, but I way more often see them fail because someone just got a pair and just never did shit to them. 
And then what do you know? The pedal body doesn't turn on the spindle anymore because it's full of like dried up grease and mud and fucking like bald eagle tears. So, you know. and it's one like time with it, the Crank Brothers pedal, I, I, we, me and the pedal had a stare down <laughs> and things started getting weird. And then I pointed at it and then it exploded. <laughs> but you know, like an, a Shimano. <laughs> That was a delayed reaction cackle. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Keep I was going to say like a Shimano SPD pedal. You can't just put that on your bike and never take care of it because those will break too. Like if I, I did that, I have broken exactly one Crank Brothers pedal and exactly one Shimano SPD pedal. So technically the failure rate for my personal experience is the same for both brands of pedals so yeah with the shimano ones when they start to rattle you got to tighten up the lock nuts inside like on the end of the spindle and like clean them out and add a little bit of grease in there and you know just make sure everything's happy but you can't just put a moving part on something that's made to go out into the woods and the dirt and the sand and desert and just expect it to last forever with no maintenance i think the best advice you can give somebody is let's you know forget road bikes and all that stuff for a second the what I'm going to call the becoming more and more average mountain bike. So full suspension, everything's a cartridge bearing, dropper seat post. So that means once a year, you need to not do service for stuff that's, I mean, obviously when stuff breaks, replace it, right? Like make sure your chain doesn't get clapped out and all that shit. But once a year, bare minimum, if you ride the thing with any frequency whatsoever, like once a weekend or once every other weekend even or five times a week, whatever it is, bare minimum once a year, wiper seals, front and rear, yep. all your pivots removed from the bike, checked, clean, re-greased, re-loctited. And Bleed your freaking there, brakes, Neil. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe not a bad idea. You don't need to do this necessarily, but go ahead and do a brake fluid flush. That way you've got fresh fluid in there so that nasty ass shit doesn't ferment inside your brake system um you know and don't get me wrong it's painful it's a lot of stuff but if you want your stuff to be mint i'm just telling you from experience what you got to do and dropper seat posts get the thing serviced um so there and you know get everything else checked your hub bearings your bottom bracket bearings all that stuff headset bearings um once a year just once a year that's all you got to do um you know drivetrain like chain itself as far as like lubing it and replacing it, that's going to be obviously more often. But other than that, like it's a once a year thing. It's really not that big a deal considering how much you beat the shit out of your bike. Uh, and if you do that stuff once a year, your bike will be so happy and it's everything will be like tight and work and shit will stop creaking and then stuff won't catastrophically fail on and you. And you won't so. like if you do that, you also like if you if you just don't bring it in for a couple of years or three years sometimes like it, we see stuff that's never been back in the shop since it left the first time. You're not going to have the mechanic write up a five to $700 repair bill for you either. What Andrew means is if you let that stuff go that long, you're probably going to spend 13 or $1,400 making that bike back to proper. Right. Which so, and if you, if you can't afford it, if you can't pay to play, ride a hardtail. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. People just have to understand these bikes are fantastic. I mean, they're so capable. They're they're fucking amazing. Uh, but there's just a lot of stuff on them. I mean, between the dropper and the suspension and the pivots and the wipers and the, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? Um, and yeah, if you want something dead ass simple, ride a rigid single speed. 
Uh, but With even those, breaks. you're still going to, on your rigid single speed, you're going to have to like, you know. With a belt drive so you don't have to lube anything. Yeah, you're still going to have to move your dropouts around, you know, to make sure stuff doesn't seize up. You're going to have to pull the seat post out every once in a while. People don't think about that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, if you got a good shop with a good service regimen and you don't mind, you know, spending some money, they'll they'll really do it right. It's not just them poking at your bike a little bit and charging you a bunch of money. Um, you know, if you do stuff that you don't necessarily, the average person doesn't think about, like, hey, the bike's in here for its, you know, yearly service pull the seat post out. And on the surface, you think, well, that's really dumb. Why, why are you pulling my seat post out? There's nothing wrong with it. It's like, well, shit, that thing's been sitting there stagnant with nasty ass ball sweat going down it for a year. Uh, go ahead and pull that thing out, clean it out, regrease the clamp, put it all back together. And then a year later, when you actually go to pull it out, it might actually come out of the frame and not be permanently seized in there. Um, it's little stuff like that. So cool. your bike hates you. It does. <laughs> um, we do have questions. I don't even know how we got on that last rant. Just because. Uh, I don't know. We're just ranting. Oh, so before we do questions, uh, because we'll just save those for the end because, you know, we can do what we want because we're adults. Uh, I'm going to talk about my trip to Utah. Oh, right. Tell us. Yeah, I'll try to be relatively quick. Long story short, quick trip, cheap airfare. Had a chance to just hang out with some buddies who all kind of met up in uh, Salt Lake City. So, Did you see Peter Sagan again? <laughs> oh yeah of course yeah we met up he said yeah, his buddies didn't he yeah did you get BFF to pet his hair sure. again well he called me out there he's like hey man i'm gonna be out here and you should ride with me i'm like yeah no problem <laughs> and so, drive my car <laughs> but no i did not hang out with peter Sion. just some uh some guys from memphis and and jeff so we went out there and rented i rented another pivot so um yeah, people probably think I'm insane, like gushing on the pivots. But the fact of the matter is, it just happens to be what I rode, and uh, I've just only got good stuff to say about it. So that's um, there's a ton of other good stuff on the market, without a doubt. But if you want my personal experience, uh, after having ridden an RKT and scalpels and all that stuff under the sun, the new 2017 model uh, Pivot 429 SL with Fox 34 was fucking awesome. It was so good, and you know, I was so happy because I'm picky about my stuff for sure. And I got on that bike and granted, I got super lucky because uh, the shop that we rented from was really, really cool because we shot, we shopped with them last year and uh, Jeff has kind of a relationship with them. So they actually pulled out these bikes. They kind of had them in storage and I guess they already got them built up for the season but they weren't actually like rentable yet, but they were cool enough to pull them out. So it was brand spanking new. Like nobody had ridden this thing. That's awesome. Uh, but it was the uh, shoot. I don't know what build it is, but it's basically, it was an Eagle build with XT brakes and like carbon stuff on it. Uh, nice. but it had aluminum DT wheels. Yeah. The whatever the, I think it's like their pro level build or something. Eh, maybe I'm sure you guys can look it up, but Fox 34, uh, fit damper, all that stuff. And damn, that bike was just, I, what I loved about it is, I mean, other than the bars being just a hair wider than I prefer, uh, I literally didn't have to touch anything on the damn bike. I messed with the suspension a little bit, got it all set up, got my saddle height set, and I just rode the thing. And nothing pissed me off. Like, it was, the geometry was right, it handled right, it shifted well. Like, man, that was just a... Eagle you know, is pretty I, smooth shifting, don't you think? It was good. It yeah. was really, I have, I mean, I have no complaints and I'll tell you what, it had a 30 on it, three zero on oh, the front. Man. 
and I used that son of a bitch. So I mean, I, I, <laughs> you used the the thirty fifty. Man, do you, hook, do you hook up to a stump and just man pull that thing out? <laughs> no, I went up a legit, like really, really steep section, most uh, about halfway up the mountain, and you know we were kind of joking because you know you say stuff when you're dudes, like you're riding up the mountain and you see something that you know is unrideable, and you like you look over there and point and go, "Shit, we should go up that." And you know the other people who are local look at you and go, "Yeah, you can't ride up that, you dumbass. That's for like you know." That's for a E-bikes. trophy. That's for a trophy truck or you know something crazy. But anyway, we pointed to one of those things and we went for it, and uh, and we actually made it up this. It was a short little shoot. It was a little section, uh, but either way, I just I camped it in the thirty fifty, and uh, it it went up there. You could I could actually get enough weight on the bike where it would actually make traction, and I was pushing that gear as hard as I could, and, and yeah, so in. I know we talk about how sometimes it's a little goofy to be to have that easy of a climbing gear, but I'll tell you what. I mean, in my case, on that day with that terrain, I used it and it worked. So, um, and if I didn't have it, I honestly don't think I would have made it. I really don't. The real uh, question, though, is could you have jogged up at the same speed? <laughs> I don't know. Good question. I think probably. As with most things that technical and that steep, yes, probably you could have, but I don't definitely wasn't. It wasn't a total waste in doing it. Um, so, and you anyway, didn't go there to do a trail run. You went there to ride. I'm just giving <laughs> exactly. you exactly. No, it's cool. It's cool. But regardless, moral of the story really is, man. If you guys are looking for a bike and you just want to buy something, you're not super duper picky about your stuff. Even though I am. That bike was great out of the box. I mean, that thing was so good. That particular build even. Um, it was thing was fantastic. So yeah, only good stuff to say about it. The you know, the geometry improvements and the and the boost and the the different fork and all that kind of stuff. It's all subtle changes, but um I really like the old four two nine SL, but this one, without a doubt, it's I think it's better. A little mo uh, better. It's a little mo better, and the old one was was pretty much the the betterest. So, um, yeah, anyway, if you guys are looking for a bike, I think you guys should go check out a 429SL. So, and I don't, I'm not even a dealer for them. I mean, that's kind of how much I like the experience. It's just a great, you know, I'm not scared to talk about other stuff if it's really good. I'm, I'm not, and it was awesome. But fun trip and all, uh, Road Corner Canyon, for those familiar with the uh, Utah Salt Lake City area. And I think I've got a, I got GoPro stuff. We can probably link it in show notes if you guys want to. Scope out one of those rides is pretty fun. Um, definitely like to uh, um, definitely enjoy pointing the bike downhill. That thing just gobbles shit up. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, super fun trip. So I have a request from story. our listeners. Um, if you listen to what Kenny has to say about the Pivot 429SL or what any of us have to say about any parts that we like, if you go out and buy those parts, it is a huge help to us for you to let the manufacturer know, like through Twitter, um, maybe even email or Facebook page. Twitter's a pretty good one. They tend to watch those and be like, hey, I heard about your stuff on the Just Riding Along show, and they don't fuck around, so I'm buying it. it that's, that's helpful for us because, you know, like most of the time when we send out a request for, for a review, not all the time, but sometimes, you know, I, I'll be like, hey, KS, I want to try your new carbon dropper post, and it's just fucking crickets. 
But if I tried one for the summer and it never broke and it was just totally reliable all summer, we would have some listeners that would buy it based on that review. Yeah, and it's not that like you know Pivot is sponsoring the show or even trying to get Pivot to sponsor us. It's more of just a – it's nice to let people know, hey, good or bad. Hey, we – you know. Fox, you fucking blow. Listen to Just Riding Long Show. Fix your customer service. Or hey, pivot. One of your one of the Just Riding Long folks loved your bike. Um, you know, that's yeah. all just good feedback. Let let them know that we're talking about them. Yeah, and for those of you that have maybe listened throughout time, and you're like, oh, Matt's really hard on Fox. Matt's really hard on Fox. Like, imagine being Andrea having to tell a customer, yeah, no, I emailed them, and they emailed me back gibberish about your broken fork and then it's been like five days and it's like oh no we just have to mail it to someone else like god that's like so embarrassing for her and it's not that she's not a competent mechanic but the people that literally manufactured it can't tell her what to do with it and i I will say the bike also was having a brake problem when you would squeeze the brake lever it felt if you've ever felt a brake line that has like a balloon spot in it like a damaged brake line it felt like that i called up sram and i'm like hey, I had this Elixir 5, and it feels like this. And the guy's like, let me send you some new brake lines. Some of those had problems. Boom. So we're not sponsored by SRAM. No. But they do a really good job of answering the phone and making it where we can, we as bike mechanics can make your day as a customer. So there you go. Yep. Um, So, yes, SRAM, make make me some wireless Eagle. That's what I want. Eagle Eagle tap. They'd better they'd better send it. We better get like the first rights to review before like bike rumor and all that shit because we figured it out first. You got to pay to play. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think they give a shit. But <laughs> I'll uh, send you a twenty yes, pack. We, we do deserve it. Um, do you want to talk more about Utah or do you want to dig into the questions? No, I think that's about all I got covered. It was just a, a kind of a quick trip, but anyway, yeah, it was awesome. The weather was unseasonably nice. It was super. It was really, really a fun trip. Um, yeah, the the trails were, you know, probably two weeks leading up to it. We weren't sure we were going to be able to ride in this particular place, but it worked out really, really well. And, um, yeah, it was fun. So anybody who ever has a chance to go ride in Salt Lake, I mean, not that it's a surprise, but it's fucking awesome. Uh, you don't even have to go south to Moab and all that kind of stuff. You can go in, like, Salt Lake City proper. And Corner Canyon, another little thing about this that just blew my mind, we rolled up to the trailhead, and uh, and again, this is not an advertisement for Pivot. This is just how it happened to be. And we're in a pretty cool Sprinter van of our own, which is pretty sweet. And we roll out. We Everyone's got, like, nice shit. And uh, pulls up next to us is, like, the Pivot truck. with. I don't know. I didn't really talk to them or anything because they look pretty busy getting ready for their ride. But they were possibly some kind of, you know, competent people because they, they looked pretty – they looked pretty pretty legit (laughs) so i don't know if they were some kind of pivot team or just in pivot employees or what the deal was but yeah they all loaded out and and hit the trail that's just cool by itself which is awesome Uh, that just has like a justin bieber moment here oh yeah um so also at that same trailhead they have like a community pump track slash bmx dirt jump type place and it was beautifully manicured there were kids everywhere like hitting every little line on this thing like there were adults there were kids there were like spandex folks like us there um they had like a little semi downhill trials type course for you to just like you know zone your skills in on doing you know being able to like 
lead up to something really easy and then all of a sudden do like this, you know, little link together rock drop garden type thing. You know, and if you crash, yeah, you'd probably get hurt, but you're not going to go like tumbling off a mountain. Like they purposely set up this small, these small little sections just on the side of a hill. It was really cool. And it was just there, like in a neighborhood. And you're freaking crazy. And also, like, if you wreck there, your car's like right over there. It's not like five miles back to the car. Yeah, exactly. But it was just neat that they like really are pushing that. It's that's just, it was so foreign to me to see something like that and so well done. And there were tons, tons of people using it. It was just awesome. Uh, so anyway, really cool. Highly encourage you guys to go check it out. And that particular place was called uh, Corner Canyon for um, for those playing along at home. All right, we're we going to do some questions. Yeah, let's Tylenol's do it. Tylenol's making me feel had, a little bit better, Justin, so I'll stick around longer. Sweet. You had a Justin Bieber moment, Matt? Uh, yeah, man. About something? He just gasped. So I'm going to give a quick thing. Um, Envy's going to release new 29er mountain bike wheels this year that are going to be phenomenal. Um, as long as you put enough air in them. So I saw prototype wheels and some guy that I later found out worked for Envy divulged a bunch of information about them. And I don't think he realized who I was and I don't want to be a total douchebag and spew it all on the internet, but Envy is coming out with new 29er wheels uh, you'll probably see them on their World Cup racers. So their new wheels will be on World Cup bikes. Um, and they are like World Cup XC and, uh, they're going to be ridiculously light. Um, like probably light enough to make Kenny and I think about carbon again. <laughs> so nice. Hopefully they're going to make them squishy. Uh, re- so I saw it. It's wide. It's shallow, and it's light as fuck. And if you only put 18 PSI Man. in it and you go down Porcupine Rim, you can break it. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I believe this is all shit that we talked about like four years ago, and everybody said we were full of shit. I know, anyway, right? Deflection. I just want to throw that out, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. yeah. What, carbon, carbon deflection, you're a fucking retard. It should be... Super, that's what makes it but awesome then, yeah, like Stan, anyway, Stans so. came out with the Valor, and they're like, it's a carbon wheel that flexes and is comfortable and handles well. And you're like, you mean that shit we've been talking about that carbon wheels haven't done up until now? When everybody made fun <laughs> yeah. of me for the bump, bump, bump versus the thump, thump, thump. And if you don't know what that's all about, you ain't been around since the beginning. We need um, to, we, we should replay that episode like we were talking about before. I don't even know how to find it. Um <laughs> Uh, so but anyway, that's, that's cool. That's definitely cool news. Yeah, it's really cool. If I had to guess that we, you might see something at sea otter. Um, if not, you'll definitely see it by Interbike this fall. So, um, yeah. So Michael from somewhere says, Hey crew, I enjoy the show. I'm going to just scroll down and get to the business cause we have some stuff. Um, I have a shrimp cassette for you. Shram cassette question for you. Is the individual ring issue uh, not pinned or bridged like Shimano? An ongoing Shram cassette problem for every Shram cassette. Uh, well, first and foremost, not every Shram cassette is like that. All shitty cassettes are like that. Um, it's just that the really shitty Shram cassettes are like that a lot. Should I be replacing my free hub on my drivetrain every time I get a new... Or should I be replacing my free hub with my drivetrain refresh? Is a steel driver necessary for a 200-pound guy with a Shram cassette... 
Kenny seemed concerned enough to address the issue and weld up multiple rings for his squishy single speed. This leads me to think it's a problem to avoid. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff where like he thinks that the cassette rings digging into the freeha body made the shift timing off and all kinds of stuff. Um, so rapid fire. Your problem isn't the not penness. It's a SRAM PG 1030 cassette. Even though the cassette was digging into the free hub, it probably wasn't the timing. It was the fact that the shitty cassette was worn out a little bit in those rings enough to make it not shift that well. If you're going to spend enough money to replace your free hub, every drivetrain refresh, you can get a nice XT or like a 1070 or a 1090 cassette that's not going to dig in. Um, there's lots of things that can go through and solve all these problems. Does anybody disagree with anything? Nah. No, that's perfect. I mean, if everything goes well, I mean, unless you just are got a, just a total pile of shit cassette that you insist on keep using, um, you shouldn't really have to replace your free hub bodies that often. And even if you do get a little gouging in them, like other than it being annoying for the ca- the mechanic to get the cassette off, it's not really going to affect anything. I mean, you would have to really hose it to make a timing issue. So um, you probably have other issues like Matt said. That 1030 cassette in general, just avoid that. It's probably one of the worst cassettes ever built. And it's, I mean, for what you would spend on drivers or free hubs, you could just buy a nice cassette, like an XT cassette every year instead and you would end up saving money and a ton of weight so yeah in my opinion in 10 speed mountain there are a couple of really good cassettes the all one piece uh xx cassette is actually fantastic if you take care of it yeah you gotta you gotta change chains or else that thing will wear out did you guys Uh, know they make a new version of that that's a lot cheaper oh that's pretty cool but it's um the whatever tool steel they're using basically i'm calling it tool steel it's a very very well done heat treated whatever it is like uh, it's steel. much higher quality. Yes, it's very good stuff. So if you take care of it, that cassette I've seen on people's bikes with ridiculous mileage on them, they're good. XT cassettes are fantastic in 10 speed. Uh, and that's about it, really. There's probably a couple other ones I'm not thinking about, but those are the two big ones I'd go for. Cool. So his other question is uh, full face helmets. He slapped his face on the ground at 28 miles an hour on the road bike, and he's been riding on the road bike with a full face ever since because he took a ride in the Ambulamba, had to get the CT scan and the whole nine yards. Uh, anything better than a Bell Super 3R for road and XC riding? Mm, probably not. There's that new Fox coming out. What's the name of it? I forget. I haven't bought one yet. I don't know. There's a Fox one with a permanent face guard, but it's 700 grams. So it weighs the same as a Super 3 or Super 2, uh, but it's just a more permanent, a little bit burlier looking helmet, but it's still really light and breathes well. I think it's made by Fox. Shit. It is. I don't remember the name of it. I would almost uh, rather anyway. go for like a like a mountain bike, like cover a little bit more of your head helmet and then like a martial arts style mouth guard to uh, protect your like your upper jaw. I mean, you can still smash like, you know, I guess like your orbital bone on the ground, but it's going to keep That's what your, he did. Oh, well, it's, it's going to keep more of your face safe and not be quite as, as long as you, once you get used to like high intensity activity with those in, they're not really that big of a deal. You'll, you actually like, I feel kind of, if when I start rolling through something kind of chunky, gnarly that I'm scared of, I get, I feel a little naked in the mouth with not having a mouth guard in my mouth. Um, but I mean, you could do that as well if you think maybe like it's a little too warm for a full face helmet today. Yeah. Um, I really am not going to have an opinion on that one, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is uh, my advice to you would be, yeah, I think the other advice given about about the little bit more coverage helmet, like maybe wear the top part of a Super 2 or Super 3. That's what I do on the road bike because I don't give a shit what other people think. Um, But uh, also, if you want to wear the full-blown full face on the road bike, who gives a shit? I mean, you're the one who had the experience, so you know better than anybody else, you know, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel safe. So just because it's not on the, you know, front cover of some roadie magazine doesn't mean you can't do it. So that's my advice to you. Word. So John from KC, he has a question. Hey, crew, enjoy the show. Although the laugh out loud moment scared my dog when I listened during the early morning dog walks. I know you guys aren't fans of the plus tire revolution, but wonder what the cutoff is and if it's a sliding scale versus an all or nothing decision heard Kenny was running a 2.5 front tire on one episode and considered, and that would have been considered silly why a few years ago. So let's pause there. Not true. You run a 2.25 Ardent EXO up front. Correct, Kenny? Uh, I've run a bunch of different shit. The only time I've ever run a 2.4 tire is I tried it on the full suspension bike with the 235 accompanying on the back. So 235 icon on the back, EXO tubeless front 2.4 ardent tubeless rated only to get that little bit extra squish and full suspension bike and it was unnecessarily slow and heavy is what i learned i i didn't hate it like it was rideable but when i went back to a new set of 2.2 rear 2.25 front uh i didn't uh, ardent icon it just felt better like the bike just felt better i don't felt like i don't feel like i lost any traction um you know any any slides or anything are really more my fault than the tire's fault, you know, just body position and waiting and timing and all that kind of shit. So I just, I still think that somewhere in the ballpark of the two, there's just, there's always the balance point of weight of the whole system, strength of the tires, uh, and all everything else that goes along with that. So I just, right now in this day and age, I think that's somewhere in the ballpark. If you're trying to ride relatively fast, a 2.2, Somewhere in that ballpark, 2.3, those are all pretty good sizes. So the 2.425 stuff, I don't know. I just, I start not liking it when it gets to that area. It's rideable for me. I just don't love it. I keep coming back to that 2.2. So uh, it might just mean that I'm an old stubborn curmudgeon, but that's, that's what I like. Uh, What do you guys think? Uh, well, I want to get the rest of his question out because that's the, the – I just want to clarify, you don't run a 2.5. I think he misheard 2.5 is 2.25, but you started to answer the second part of the question. He says, okay. I, I get you lightweights can run a 2.3 on your foil-thin crest rims, but us with more mass, it's all muscle, I swear, might have to up the rim width and tire capacity. No. In my mind, there could be some magic ratio of rider size and weight – so like the rider size and weight and the rim and tire combo. If we want to make it even more complicated, rider skill and experience can also factor in, but it's just let's but let's just focus on the physics for now. My hypothesis is 2.3 tire for 150 pound rider, 2.8 to 3.0 tire for 220 plus pound rider. What is your thoughts and when can you have too much tire? More is always better, like more travel on a bike, correct? With a smiley face. Um so let's dig into this because there's a lot in here that I think is missed. So do you want to go first, Kenny? Or uh, I mean, I can. I pretty much, you know, you just, gave my opinion. Okay, I'll I'll give the rest of it though. I haven't spent enough time on legit on a two eight to three zero tire 
to really say my time was spent on a 29 plus and it was just not really my style bike anyway it was like rigid and single speed and all that shit um and so i i really didn't like that but i have spent a little bit of time on uh what was on i was on a jet nine with 3.0 tires 27.5 and it was just it just felt blah to me it felt more disconnected it felt wiggly uh but not like in a good way not in a ride comfort way more of a vague. i just did something and there's like this yeah vagueness it was just not i just didn't like it and i think that could go away but we've talked about this on previous episodes to make that go away you have to make that sidewall much stiffer because it's just a bigger tire that you're dealing with. So you got to make the whole thing bigger and stiffer to make it equal in vagueness, if you will, uh, or make it sharp enough. That's a better way to say it. Uh, but then it's so heavy that no one ever wants to ride it. So, you know, and Matt, Matt, uh, made really good points about this a long time ago and basically saying that we have, you know, these pencil thin sidewalls and these tires to make them even acceptable for anybody to use them as far as weight goes. And then they get slashed on every little rock and everything you touch. And then they're super vague. So right, and a lot of that vagueness comes in when you don't have pressure is just a part of the equation, but the other part of the equation is the the sidewall. Like Kenny was saying, he went EXO only and or TOR only and forgo the EXO to try to make the two point four as supple as possible. And you know, every time you add more and more into the casing, it adds weight and it reduces the the pliability of the tire or suppleness of the tire. So, um. Let's go back to your question and answer how I think it should be answered. Um, I read this somewhere else before, and I can't remember. It was Pink Bike or Single Tracks or somewhere. But uh, essentially what they came down to is if you have to run over 30 PSI, you need to go to a heavier tire, um, which I I thought was uh, like totally great, great advice. So imagine something like a... Uh, so we're, we're talking about you're faulting me, not faulting, but you're saying I ride a crest with a 2.3. So you should ride a flow with a 2.8. And I just say that's, that's outright false. I should ride a crest with a 2.3 or a 1.9 or a 2.1 or whatever I feel like. Right. And then you should probably ride an archer, a flow or a blunt SS or something like that. Uh, just any little bit burlier rim with the heavier casing 2.3 aired up more. You know, I'm going to get away with 22 to 25 PSI in my tires, and you're probably going to push 30 in a heavier casing tire. Like if we talk specialized tires, I'm going to run ground control front and rear, 2.3 in the front, 2.1 in the rear, and I'm going to run, you know, 20 and 24. And then you're going to run the grid casing of those tires and run 26 in the front and 30 in the rear. I mean, that's how it's going to work. Like, because like Kenny was just saying with the sidewalls of the 2.8s, they're just going to rip. Like when you take 220 pounds and go rage hammer through a rock garden, there's not a 2.0 tire on the market that's going to reliably take that abuse. Um I mean, I'll just 3.0 tire? A 2.8 to 3.0. There's nothing. Oh, 2.0. I thought you said 2.0. I'm sorry. No, 2.8 to 3.0, any of that plus stuff. It's just not going to cut it. It's, it's actually going to cut it. That's the problem. Uh, the rock is going to kill that tire. So, um, 
moving on to that thoughts, when can when can one have too much tire? And I think a, a bigger diff, bigger answer to that question is there's not enough tire on the 2.8s. You know, a, a Bontrager Chupacabra 29 by 3.0 is like a 850 or 900 gram tire. And I'm like, dude, that's what my Arden 2.4 weighs. And that's that's what I need to take to the woods. You know, that's what I need to take to the rock garden. And if I if I take a tire that's lighter than that to the rock garden, then I just feel like it's going to be a problem. And again, I did have a stash. I had a stash with Chupacabras, but I tell you what, it was rigid and I wasn't raging on it. And it was, it was not easy to rage. You know, it didn't have a suspension fork or anything, but it just wasn't, uh, you know, that, that bike just didn't have that, like lead people into the shit. You know, I feel like the, the top fuel with the, essentially icon 2.2s on it is a much more aggressive bike than the stash rigid was so when we talk about bikes you know the plus tires punching out of their class oh it rides like a bike with this much travel no it rode like a rigid bike with a fucking balloon tire on it that's what it rode like i think those big tires are fantastic for you know maybe the rigid bike you know a 3.0 tire you could probably get away with a rigid bike and if you want to go slow and pick your way through stuff I mean, I think it could be fine, but I just don't think it's the solution for somebody who wants to go really fast. And someone's going to come on here and they're going to bitch and moan and be like, oh, yeah, I'll shred your ass down a whatever on a plus tire bike. But you'd probably shred my ass on a fucking regular bike, too. So just because there have been fast people that have ridden the fat tires, I I personally just don't really think it's the solution. It's correlation, Um, not causation. Yeah, you guys can do whatever you want. Um, But I really think it's better suited for somebody with a little bit slower riding style who wants to pick and choose their lines a little bit more. Um, and I just don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great all rounder cross country setup. I, I don't. I agree wholeheartedly. Same. Same. <laughs> uh, so moving down, literally down Matt from down under, maybe. So he's from Australia. Uh, he New says, Zealand. New Zealand's down. No, he's from Australia. Okay. He says, referring to Kenny's avowed need for a light 29-inch fork, the Formula 33 is only 660 grams and will do 100 to 140 millimeters of travel. The 35-millimeter version goes down to 120 millimeters and weighs only 1780. I know you hate anything that isn't Shimano or SRAM, but that's boring, so you should really take the blinkers off for a bit. I'm running Formula 35s on my new hardtail, and they're wonderful so far. You'd love... My boutique as fuck bike. Ha ha. So we emailed back and forth a little bit and, um, yeah. And his, his final thing is PS kangaroos are in my garden. They taste like a cow that's done too much exercise. Okay. But tough. So, um, pretty much he emailed, we emailed back and forth and he says, I understand. I'm kind of like the nightmare when I go in the bike shop because not that they don't know how to work on it, but the spare parts don't exist and the, the knowledge just isn't there. Um, you know, spare parts is in like, oh, we've seen some of these broken, so we have a graveyard of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I'll be honest, 1660 isn't really that entertaining for a, a fork of that size. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's an interesting solution. And, you know, what's funny is uh, even though I'm in this all day, every day, I've just n- literally not even seen this before because... I probably just choose to ignore this boutique stuff because, you know, it was interesting to me at one point in my life. 
But now that I actually have to work on it for a living, like this stuff just makes me angry. So um, I, I'm glad it exists. You know, it's awesome. I'm not going to be the person ever who's going to say, oh, this is so dumb. Why this company even try to make this? No, that's ridiculous. I think everybody should be pushing the limit, trying new stuff, putting your, you know, putting your company on the line and, and engineering new parts. I think that's awesome. So the thing could be great. Um, yeah, I'll look at them. I mean, that's all I can really say about that. Um, if that's, someone that's at Formula wants to send us a fork to try out to prove us wrong that, you know, like a, a Rock Shocks or a Fox fork isn't the way to go, then uh, we'd be happy to test one. Yeah, you can send that to Andrea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn. Uh, but, you know, the big, the reason, you know, and I'm sure this has been already talked to death, but the reason we have the viewpoints we do is because. When you do beat on this stuff all day, every day, and you have multiple people doing that, and then you need to go service them later and find parts for them and all that. Because in my experience, what happens is, all right, so this formula thing's all well and good, but then two years down the road, they come out with a new version, and then you call them up, and they're like, uh, the 35 what? Which one do you have? Oh, yeah, that's our, that's discontinued. Um, you know, Yeah, we really didn't have good luck with that old damper. We don't really have parts for it anymore. It's like, uh, I paid $1,000 for this thing. What do I do? Oh, shoot. Yeah, sorry. Right. You know, and, and that scares the shit out of me. So anyway, that's why we have the stances that we do on, on mainstream parts. Also, real quick aside, I got a fork for review and don't interject here. I got a yep. fork for review. It felt really bad and I rebuilt it and when, or it felt really bad. The lockout out of the box installed it. It felt bad. It didn't lock out and something rattled in the air side. So I overhauled it, you know, from the factory, overhauled it, um, had to watch a 25 minute video to figure out the oil volume and oil weight for the legs for the air side of, you know, not the air side, but just like the, the lower, you know, what goes in the fork pants, um, the fork pants. Yeah. That's an Andy Stockman saying the fork, you got to drop the fork pants off and lube her up. Um, so pull the lowers off. Uh, reattached the bottom out bumper that was not properly attached from the factory, put the proper amount of oil in the forks pants, and then put it all back together and can't really figure out anything on the damper side. Keep doing a bunch of work with the damper and start playing with it. And like 30 minutes later, I figured out that the damper lever assembly wasn't properly assembled from the factory get all that stuff sorted out and even with oil in the lowers and a bunch of slick honey on the seals um the lockout was functioning properly then or the gate or the threshold whatever you want to call it i don't i'm not trying to allude to anything um but uh the fork indexed there's no other way to put it uh you could and i've touched a handful of these forks and every one of these forks does it um you you take a, a just about any fox fork or any um, any rock shock fork, and especially if it's on the sales floor at a bike shop, you know, and it's not been ridden, do the do the nice thing to it where you flip it upside down for a minute, and you let all the oil get on the foam rings, and you let the fork get lubricated. You know that happens when you're jostling down the trail, but just let it get all nice and lubed up, and then flip it over. And when you lean your body weight into it, the fork's gonna sag, you know. And if it hasn't, if the last person that test rode it was tiny or something and that was set up for them, you're going to bottom it out essentially, but it does that smoothly and predictably. Um, and this fork didn't it, uh, every one of these forks that I've touched, it indexes on the way down. And, um, someone 
commented, well, that doesn't matter. How does it ride? And I'm like, and then before I could answer, another person that's very, very smart um, said, there is no reason in setting suspension until you've removed all of the friction in the system. That's from like some professional race car driver, like, or professional race car mechanic, like F1 guy, like somewhere of that status said that. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, like it's really hard to get that fork dialed and that fork's been sent back for factory rebuild. And I haven't heard anything since. So, um, not going to beat anyone to death over it, but you know, it's just a bummer that like, I get it that cool shit's cool, but fuck man, like good stuff is good too. You know, like really good stuff is really good for a reason. So, um, yeah, but anyway, we haven't tried, I have not tried this particular fork. Hopefully it's nice and buttery smooth and stiction free and all that kind of stuff. And they make seals for more than a year, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I mean, I'd be willing to try one. I'm not scared, but holy shit. Uh, I also want to point out that it's 1100 to $1,200 and it's Italian. Um, not to be too much of a Debbie Downer, but that's, you can't just right get there. on QBP and order a full service kit for it. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I'm just reading uh, an article on it. It says claimed weight is between 1790 and 1860. So I also don't know if that includes the weight of the axle or not. I mean, there's so many little variables in there. I just don't know. Uh, I know for a fact that a Fox 34 uh, with a reasonably cut steer tube and the through axle, not like the cobble, uh, cable, whatever you call it, the regular old old school cam style. With a uh, lever. Tool-free removal. Yes. So the old school one and everything you need for it to be installed on a normal bicycle, uh, including that axle, weighs about 1850, maybe a little bit north of that, 1850 to 1900. Uh, So kind of in pretty much the same ballpark as formula. So 35 to 35. Um, So, eh, you know, Uh, I'm sorry. I just I said the wrong thing. 35 to 34 in that case. Uh, so definitely compared to a pike, a 35 to a 35, that would be lighter. So um, anyway, it's definitely an interesting, interesting proposition. I'll take a look at it. It's, it, I mean, yeah, it could be, it could be amazeballs. Uh, I have no idea, but until I actually like, you know, you know, what's funny is there's something about it and you guys can all say that I'm an idiot. Just like uh, you guys said about carbon rims that we couldn't feel any kind of, you cannot feel any vertical difference in a carbon wheel versus an aluminum. Uh, Anyway, with that said, you can just push on someone's damn fork real quick in the parking lot. Yes. It's not going to tell you everything about it. Like the high speed compression damping circuit and all that other kind of jazz. However, you'll know pretty damn quick if it's 90% there. Like it's just easy to tell like, Hey, this fork feels good. Like there's just something about it. You can just tell. Um, push a couple times on the handlebar. It's it's as easy as that. I mean, once you felt good suspension, when you feel it static in a par- parking lot, you can tell pretty damn quick if it's going to be decent or not. Uh, so, because I felt a whole lot of forks that were supposed to be nice, and I felt them in, in the parking lot and just said, nope, like <laughs> not interested. Holy crap, it feels like a bag of nails. A bag of uh, nails. Well, you know, yeah. in the like what Kenny's saying here, I want to interject and even like the Bluto. If you take a Bluto with like an eight, a seven fifty bar, right? And you really weight one of the bars, like if you don't weight the two handlebars like evenly, you can feel that big floor try to flex and get stiction in it. I mean, you know, it's, yep, it's the same way. Every time I touch a pike, it's like, God damn, 
This thing is just like smooth. It just like unless it's just wrecked, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It just pervades smoothness. Like fuck, they're so, you know, and and that's how they ride. They ride awesome, right? So uh, just in the damn that parking lot feel. uh, As dumb as that sounds, I mean, in my experience, it means a hell of a lot. uh, You know, correlation of parking lot versus actually raging it down the trail. Um, so anyway, I would just, I'd really like to get my hands on one of these formulas. Check it out. It might be formula might be the new shit. But, uh, the other thing is I've not heard about it at all and it came out a year ago. So that's maybe not a good sign. (laughs) Well, maybe formula just doesn't pay as much to bike rumor and everyone else to advertise their stuff as like a press release but they paid to have it advertised. I mean, other companies do that. That's how companies get their products reviewed is they pay somebody to do it. Or, you know, they they kick some money to advertising and give them a fork or, you know, whatever the equipment is. In exchange, whatever the review is, is going to be a pretty damn good review. And that's how it happens. Maybe Formula just doesn't do that. You know, that's just not how they play. No, you're right. It could be a million things. So long story short is without me poo-pooing on it, I'd like to, if nothing else, just do a parking lot test on one if I ever see one in real life. So, um, yeah, so thanks for thanks for pointing that out to us, that that does exist. That is interesting. So I have a real quick, it's not even a question. Um, hey, are we still recording? We are, yes. We've been recording the whole That's- damn time. It's <laughs> That's so good. Awesome. I'm just checking. For those of you that don't get this joke, it's like I'm getting good at this, like it's my job. Uh, if you don't get that joke, you should listen to what Ben and I put out very closely to this. It's inside NBR. If you, if you don't go and listen to that, that won't make sense. Um, so with that said, uh, Seth from the internet says, Jericho enjoys scrolling through the different bikes on this site and pictures of what looks to be hand-built components by very small children in China. <laughs> My favorite is the rear suspensive. Um, and I'll post a link to it. It's just this really, really terrible, like, uh, like not, it, it, I don't even know what to describe it with. It's like, it makes Alibaba look well put together. Oh, wow. Um, but it's a uh, lightinthebox.com, but I'll put a link up with the show. Uh, it's, it's really, really uh, fun stuff. So there's that. And then I think we have a quickie, Joe from the internet. He says, hey, bitches and Andrea. <laughs> so what about shoes? I'm looking to lay down some nuggets on XC Trail and SBD shoes. And I was wondering, are CD Dominator 5.7s the gold standard for durability? What do yens like? And of course, what do you hate? Um, I hate CDs. You know, I I had some of my first mountain bike shoes were CDs and they were okay. Um, I mean, I didn't tear them up or anything, but the soles, the lugs on the bottom were fucking plastic, which doesn't really jive with single speeding because sometimes you got to walk. Walk, 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 walk. So... I've uh, I'm I'm a fan basically look for a I like the Vibram soles like and actually Shimano is doing on their new like high high end mountain bike shoe that I, I just saw like a couple days ago and I thought was really cool. They're doing a Michelin rubber. Um there's the Vibram rubber, anything that has a real rubber sole and that fits your foot. Because that's really it's like asking like what we like for saddles. You know, like I want a saddle that is made out of quality materials 
that fits my ass. Same thing with what? Wow. Same thing with shoes. I want something that's made out of good functional materials, not just fucking plastic blocks screwed onto the bottom of some carbon because that's just that's not going to cut it for what I do. It's going to be okay for some people, not for me. Um, anything with a good rubber sole and a good carbon last, um, I'm I'm into that. And right now I'm using the Giro high volume. VR70s. Yeah, those are the shit. Yeah, and I, I went high volume because like we talked about a few episodes ago, like I'm I'm real weird about my feet. Like I just my shoes are held on by like the top strap and nothing else. Because yep. I just like I like to have foot caves <laughs> for my feet and uh it works for me. People look at it and they're like, "How do you not pull your foot your foot out of your shoe?" And it's like, "Well, every now and then I do." Just don't hit an armadillo. I hit an armadillo and pulled my foot out of my shoe once. Uh, so, Joe, maybe a different answer for this is eight years ago, CD Dominator was the gold standard. But over the last that's, eight that's years... A, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I think the reason the CD Dominator got popular popular is because it was it lasted a pretty long time. It was leather. It was a, There wasn't a company out there making quality, like, shoes for mountain bikers. There was all these weird, bullshit, nasty things. And that's why the CDs got popular, and that's why they're the gold standard. But there's, to be honest, those things underwhelm me at best every single time I mess with them. And they you, got a bunch. You of could replace the lugs on them as on well. Them. Uh, no, like they're just, well, I, I, just I just don't. I just don't like those damn things. Everyone's gaga over them, and I just I've put them on too, and I just like, eh, they don't really fit my foot shape very well, uh, anyway, and, eh. Yeah, that's about all I got. So sorry, Matt, I kind of interrupted you. No, no. And the only thing you didn't add in there that I was going to say, like, you, so you you were right. The, at that time period when the CD was hot, um, they were hot for sure. And all the other shoes were garbage. But the problem is, is the CD hasn't evolved and everything else has. Um, and maybe one other thing is like I had I bought CDs in like 08 or 09. And they definitely looked worse pretty quickly than people that had CDs from like O two. So I feel like there was maybe a a slight breakdown in the the you know decade old performance somewhere along there. Um, I think that happened. You know, a little degradation of quality along with a uh, you know stagnant in technology. So those two things together make the CDs not really a. I don't know. It's not even something I would cons- – I don't even consider them. They're not on the radar for shoes for me anymore. Like Specialized, Bontrager, uh, Giro. Like I'm a huge Giro. What are you riding now, Kenny? I still ride my Mavic, Mavic Chasms. They discontinued them. But they have so, real ride, on the bottom, right? Yeah, they do. I yeah. fucking love those shoes. They're, they are really – if you want the shoe they are most similar to, the VR70. So it's got a mostly carbon sole but not an absolute – crazy super stiff carbon sole uh it has a really nice like proper leather upper but not one that like gets all funky like the cds do uh it's got a proper rubber uh proper rubber lugs on the bottom uh it's got little foot spiky things i wanted to add those i don't have them on mine uh, the little toe spikes uh what else about them they have just a proper ratchet strap two velcro straps on the front they're not too heavy. Uh, they breathe pretty well. 
Yeah, I mean, they kind of tick all the boxes for me. Uh, they're fucking awesome. I think they discontinued them, though. And I don't know what the replacement is. I haven't really looked into it. Mavic was cool enough uh, a few, probably two years ago, three years ago. Because I bought my first set like four or five years ago. And I broke one of the carbon soles and had one left, like one pair left in stock in chasms in my size. Uh, and they sent those out as warranties. So uh, that's what I'm riding today still. They're- I like the Mavics also. Like, well, and like you kind of had the same thing. I, I had the same thing happen as you did. Like I really liked the top end Mavic shoes before they split that top end shoe into like two different ones, like an ultra light one. And then like a different one that they both have a bunch of boas or something. I don't remember, but I ended up, that's why I went with the Giro's because the, the style of Mavic shoe that I liked wasn't available anymore. Yep. By the way, if you, if you wear a size five, um, you, you can get, there's one left on bike wagon for 63% off. <laughs> so there, yeah, they're $240 shoes. So they were, they were like good, what I would call really good mid-level shoes between two and $300. Um, and yeah, they were fucking awesome. And if you looked around, you could probably maybe find you a set of those, uh, chasms somewhere from some goofy ass vendor. But, um, yeah, they were, they were awesome. Yep. They're, so that's that's kind of the wrap on shoes. Uh, actually, one quick thing. I have a pair of Terraduras now. I think that's what they're called. Isn't that what that shoe yeah, is? Yeah, I think so. Terraduro, maybe? Yeah, Terraduro. Uh, I don't know which uh, one it is. It's the Giro, like, Super Stormtrooper shoe. Um, I got a pair of those uh, from the from the bike shop to do some some product testing. So uh, I haven't gotten to ride in them yet. It's, I got them right before Moab. And then, um, oh, what was the other? Oh, I'm going to... I'm going to ride a ton of single speed in them now that Moab's over. Uh, and as soon as it dries up, I'll start doing that. That way I can actually like walk in them a good bit and figure out. So, but yeah, uh, I think that's kind of a show. It's, it's we've been going pretty long here. We, we got a four of our six questions that I got to the sheet done. So I think that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, it's cool. Or any, anything else we need to add in? Uh, Fox, get your shit nope. together. <laughs> uh yeah oh. and fox hey this is another another correlation real quick on the fox thing so cd how they were like so amazing uh, a long time ago because they were one of the only good options out there fox kind of did that back in i'm gonna say late 2000s like 2007 eight ish somewhere in that ballpark where they had that regular old open cartridge fox 100 that's like the only thing they made Ooh, and if that fucking thing was butter smooth and it worked. It's like uh, and that got them on the radar. And then they went through the same situation I think that CD just did. They started getting popular and started cranking shit out and they started making terrible decisions. And their forks were so bad in like the twenty ten era. Twenty ten to twenty twelve. God, those things were so bad. I've never felt more stictiony, shitty forks in my entire life. They were so bad. Like you just looked at the coating on the uppers, and they just explode off of there. Um, those things were terrible, right? And now Fox is really back, and they're making proper shit. Again. Yeah, I it's think really good stuff. I think the fork I'm dealing with that open cartridge was part of their dark times. Yeah, they had dark times. They absolutely did. But and, they should uh, still anyway, be able to tell me how much oil that goes in the damn they damper. They can't though. Just stop. <laughs> just, just yeah. They, 
they they should. But anyway, the, I just thinking about the CD thing. I've just seen that in other companies. Yeah, where it's like the comparing. reason it got popular is because of like that one golden child product that they made, and then people just assume everything they shit out is golden, and that's not necessarily true. Well, let's look at this. Let's I use two brands. We'll use like CD and Specialized Shoes, right? Like if you bought Specialized Shoes in two thousand, they would have been garbage, you know. But now Specialized has like really nice options for road. XC, Trail, Trail Clipless, you know, Trail Platform, Trail Clipless, right? They've they've really broadened past that, right? And CD's still just making, like, the ultra-premium shoe. Um, and if you look at, like, Fox and RockShock, let's say, you know, Fox was making, like, you said the F100. I want to talk about the F29. Woo! You know, you compare, like, the original F29 with, like, the original Reba. The original Reba was trash. Like, it didn't even look... Oh, how do I put this? You know, it didn't look finished like a like a fox did, you know. And yeah. Now we have a pike. I mean, Jesus. Like how do you go wrong with that, you know? So Uh yeah, I just wanted to make that I I just wanted to mention how bad old Rebus were, honestly. Like old old like 08. Ugh, that's so gross. <laughs> that's it. That's all I have. Old Rebus gross. That's a Reba McIntyre joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does anybody need to add anything to this? We all good. Good. Bueller. Yeah, it's all right. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show and make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.